Since a young girl, I have always thought about life and the different obstacles that we as humans face. What is life? As I looked up the definition of life, it states the existence of an individual human being or an animal. So life is just a human being existing? So what does it mean to exist? And what I found was so surprising to me. The definition of exist is to live, especially under adverse conditions. I do not know about you, but that definition had my heart in my stomach. As a child, I can remember holding my breath and hoping that the time will fly by. Sometimes I would imagine myself being underwater, and when I get out from under the water, I would be grown and finally live in life. I didn't think that I was living because I was always sad and I cried a lot. I can remember vividly thinking, this isn't life. I would just wait this period of my life out and I can really start living once I get older and out on my own. Fast forward to adult Martha, who is in her 30s, by the way, and yet I still feel like I am holding my breath. When does life really begin, Lord? When will I get a chance to stop holding my breath and just live? When I sought after this answer from the Lord, he told me, life has always been in you and I give you permission to live. Queens, if you can head over to Genesis chapter two, verse seven, or I'm just gonna read it for you just in case you're driving somewhere and can't open your word. It states, then the Lord God formed the man from dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. So when the definition of life and existing intercedes with the word of God, it is pretty clear to me that life is granted at the start of birth and God wants us to live it to the fullest, pushing past adversities. Queens, in today's episode of Royal Conversations, we will discuss how it is possible to live in a world that presents a fair share of adversities and we can still walk with our chin up. Let's talk about it. All right, so before I go on, I have to put this full disclaimer out. When I talk about my childhood, you have to know that it is coming from a mind of trauma. You see, when people go through traumatic events in their life, it is hard to separate the trauma from the good things. And all they tend to remember is the trauma and how it made them feel in that moment. There are many known traumatic events that cause a person to suffer from long-term mental illness, which includes childhood sexual abuse. And many of my followers are familiar with my story and the long-term abuse I suffered as a child through childhood molestation. And unfortunately, that has had an effect on my memory of the good times I enjoyed as a child. But this is like a known fact. You can go look this up in research. According to Amen Clinics, suffering from sexual abuse has a detrimental effect on a person's mental health throughout their lifetime. Then it goes on to say that experiencing sexual abuse during childhood is associated with a wide range of mental health disorders in adulthood, including anxiety, depression, PTSD, panic disorder, and disassociative identity disorder. Now, Queens, it is many more illnesses to name, but these are all disorders I suffer from, and so I wanted to share that with my following. Disassociative identity disorder is one of the disorders that I want to highlight because it's a term that I just recently been introduced to. 
This disorder involves an involuntary disconnection with memories, emotions, perceptions, and behaviors, as well as with a person's own identity or sense of self. Queens, one of the symptoms of disassociative identity disorder is memory loss. So when I tell you I used to struggle with identifying happy times in my childhood, I'm really not lying to you. It was not until I went to therapy back in 2020 where I started to learn how to dig deep and separate the happy moments from the traumatic ones. Like I literally had to force myself to remember the smell of my mom's white diamond perfume when she would hold me or when we would go to cheerleading games with the Hazelcrest Mustangs or I would play outside with my siblings at the Markham Park District. Like these are memories that I had to struggle to find. When my grandmother and my mother would dress me up in big dresses with matching socks for Easter and me and my siblings would wake up to a basket full of Easter goodies and candies. Like I did not go without as a child and I have to put that disclaimer out there. My parents did the best that they knew how when it came to being young parents of nine children. But when you go day by day living life with the perpetrator who is hurting you in almost every memory that you have, it is hard to disassociate the good from the bad. So queens, if you find yourself suffering from disassociative identity disorder, please have grace with yourself and know that you are not alone. There are also resources to help you when you are ready. So keep your chin up, queen. You got this. We got this. All right, queens. So there are times where we get weak. We get so weak that we are looking for any type of relief to help us get back on our feet. Have you ever been so tired of being strong that you decided to just do nothing? Like, I mean, nothing. Have you ever felt the need to just give up because being strong was completely overrated and you decided that whatever happens is going to happen? Like, basically, I get dealt with, I get dealt with. That is what it is mentality. Like, it just comes out full force. Well, in this episode... We are going to talk about a story that took me to that point. And if you've ever been at that point in your life or place in your life in this episode, it's definitely for you. So every relationship has its ups and downs with the hopes that there are more ups and downs. Well, my particular relationship or partnership, if you will, have been on a whirlwind of downs. I promise you, when they say, if it wasn't one thing, it was another That was for me, and I'm not just saying that because it is a catchy phrase. Nevertheless, my boyfriend and I became husband and wife and decided that we were going to do this life thing together. For what was supposed to be the rest of our lives turned out to only be four years. Maybe a year into our marriage, my husband at the time, gambling addiction, hit an all-time high. This is the worst I had ever seen it with the last 15 years we spent together as boyfriend and girlfriend. We had just moved into a new house and then weird things just started taking place that just felt so familiar to me. But as a woman who was newly married and I was trying something new, you know, you got all these people in your ear telling you what a wife is supposed to do and this is how it's supposed to go. So I was trying to be that space that men say they need when it's time for them to show their emotions and be vulnerable. You see, I was tired of the arguing that usually came after an all-nighter of making bad decisions. I'm going to pause right there. I would like to say this. 
Anybody who have ever lived with an individual who had a gambling addiction, you will know that it is in comparison to a person who suffers from a substance abuse addiction. Individuals tend to be unreliable as they go missing for days, sometimes weeks. Things around the house tend to come up missing. You find yourself making frequent visits to the pawn shop. And sometimes a person will sleep all day, causing the day to be unproductive. Gambling is a sickness, just like any other addiction. And I would challenge anybody who think it is not. If you or somebody you know is struggling from a gambling addiction, please reach out for help by contacting 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. Now, let's get back to the story. You see, we have been through the first steps of signing yourself off the casino boats and promising to get help if you just forgive this one last time, right? And all of that and nothing seemed to change. So I tried to change myself because the situation wasn't changing. I tried to change myself, right? (laughs) I started to become the supportive wife, something I had never done before because my first step was always to anger. And then in a couple of days, I would forget and I'll be my sweet loving self again. Come on now. How many of us is slow to anger and quick to forgive? If you are that person, then you and I are so much alike. So much that we find ourselves on this person's emotional roller coaster that makes us a little toxic as well, right? If I am by myself, then that's okay. But this is my story, so I'll take that. But anyways, upon me becoming the supportive wife, I started to understand more and pick up slack with no conversation. I would turn a blind eye on the things that I noticed missing in the house. I would financially carry the burden for the household, including, this is very important, I would even shield my daughter from everything that was happening around her. I was trying my hardest to not let her feel the stress that mommy was carrying right there in that moment. My turning point that ultimately made me give up was one day I realized that the gambling had slipped into my household via the Xbox in 2K18. (laughs) And I can laugh about this story now, but by no means is it funny. Um, Remember what I told you earlier about your memory and how it is affected by traumatic events? Well, this particular night, all I could remember is I walked downstairs. I took the Xbox off the stand while it was being used. I threw it across the floor and I smashed it, but it didn't break into pieces. So I walked to the spare room that we had downstairs. I grabbed a bat and I repeatedly beat that Xbox. Like like that Xbox had just stole something, but in that moment that Xbox had just stole my rent money. I beat that Xbox until it was into small pieces that could not be repaired. I did not know what I was doing until I looked up and saw the confused, terrifying look on my daughter's face as she woke up by my loud temper tantrum episode. And I want you guys to understand that that's all that was. That was a temper tantrum. I had no words for how I felt. So I just walked back upstairs and I called my mom with no words and I just cried on the phone to her. That day I told myself I was done keeping it to de- keeping it together. I was done being the supportive wife. I was done being the strong one. 
I seriously did not care what happened next. And all I had for my mom in that moment was tears. I questioned, what was I fighting for anyway? Nothing mattered. Life was just one struggle after the next. So what was the point, right? Well, let me stop and make a really good point here. Sometimes we single-handedly hand the devil the blueprint to our own demise. Well, what are you saying, Martha? <laughs> what I am saying is, and, and hear me out here, my ex-husband had a gambling addiction since we were in high school. Things were bad after we had our first baby. Things were bad right before we got married. And I'm talking about two weeks before. Yet, I still married him. Hoping that when I said, I do, that somehow I would be able to come up from underwater and stop holding my breath. That final moment, right? That moment at the altar I thought was the moment I was going to finally start living. Queens. Stop ignoring the signs and then blame everybody else but ourselves when things go bad. I wanted to cry woe is me speech when things in my marriage went bad, but I never reached out for help before the marriage. I never demanded that he go get help before I became the wife. I didn't start researching programs for addiction until I decided to be the supportive wife. But what about the supportive girlfriend or the supportive friend? I sat there and hoped that this single moment in life that we as women wish for since our childhood would change the trajectory of the path I was heading down. No. When you let an infection sit with no treatment, it can be the very thing that kills you. Okay? So what I did in that time before I, you know, started taking accountability for how I have made situations worse in my life. I yelled, I got angry, I got mad, and then I forgave. But I am going to have to repeat that sentence again. When you let an infection sit with no treatment, it can be the very thing that kills you. Now, back to the story. After that day, I stopped paying his half of the bills. If he didn't have it, well... It didn't get a full payment. I would send the rent in with partial payments. My mom would ask me, she would plead with me actually, because she had become my partner in that season of my life. But after that episode in the basement with my Xbox, I stopped taking her money. It was, it, it was a wrap. My grandmother, God rest her soul, would ask to help me and I declined her services. Anything that would have benefited him to continue in the enablement of his responsibilities, I declined. I was watching myself sink and I was not allowing a lifesaver to save me at this point. I was legit tired of busting my behind at work on nights and still drowning in bills, even though I was making really good money, y'all. Mind you, at this time, while I'm busting my behind at work on nights, I was pregnant for most of that time and now I had the baby. So I got a newborn baby and a son under the age of two. So yes, Queens, I gave up and went completely numb. Whatever happens, happens at this time. And I would just have to deal with it at this point. You ever found yourself so far gone that you are just waiting for the explosion to happen? Like you are just waiting for the meteor to hit the earth? I realize now that I was having an out-of-body experience that happens when you stop trusting in God. Well, you guessed it. 
we had to vacate the premises. When the letter came to the door, we had a conversation. And after the conversation, I felt so motivated to try again that since the leasing agency was not allowing us to stay here, we had to find a new place before the sheriffs came to put us out of this place. So I hustled and bustled and went to find another home for our family. I thought to myself, for sure, this time he's going to stop. This addiction has got to stop because we have never been this low before. So I found joy again and a sense of living again. And I was on a high (laughs) and a human being, y'all. God wasn't making me happy. God wasn't giving me that joy. That high that I was on, I had all that trust in a human being. (laughs) He promised that this was it. And I believed him because again, we had never been this low. And this time it was super serious. So after maybe two weeks of house hunting, we found a private lender who was willing to help us and rent to us. He told us how much was needed and when to come and pick up the keys. I thought to myself, Lord, I have found my way out of this one and I dodged a huge homeless bullet. Well, I thought to myself, that was close. I remember this season of my life like it was yesterday. We were to meet the guy on Saturday to give him the deposit and get the keys. All that week, I had been packing and reminding my ex-husband of the responsibilities that we had coming up. He promised me that we would be good and that I didn't have to keep telling him. I'm a grown man, he would say. So, okay, I'm back in the supportive wife mode. You know, the till death do us part through sickness and health. You know, all the vows I committed to this man before God. It was all coming back to me. And this little voice in my head kept saying, Release control and let me lead. I assumed it was a voice telling me to let him lead, okay? And him being my ex-husband. Please stay with me, y'all. I am going somewhere. So come Wednesday that week, I stopped asking and I just knew we was in this marriage together. We were working toward the same goal. We were providing for our family. You know, the... My homie, we riding, we we working towards the same goal. That's what I thought in my head. Well, Saturday came around and I received a text message stating that the landlord was providing an extension for an extra week for us to come up with the initial deposit and that if we didn't have it by next week, that he would have to put the house back on the market. If dumbfounded was a person, that was me for sure. So I called my ex-husband to see if he knew what the message was about. And he, and turns out he knew he had reached out to the landlord and told him that something had came up with one of the kids and we didn't have the money to get the keys this week, but we'll have it next week. Okay. So now all these red flashes and sirens are going off in my head. Let me lead, release control. Let me lead, release control. It all just started flashing through my head. All right. Well, next week came and as we pulled up to the house to meet the man to give him the deposit and get the keys, my ex-husband pulled me into the living room of our soon-to-be home and told me that he didn't have his half and if I could just pay the deposit, he will be sure to give me every penny that he owes me back. There's a lot of pennies that are due to me, but I ain't tripping. I turned to the landlord and I let him know that I am so sorry for wasting your time, but you can put this house back on the market 
I took my wedding ring off and I dropped it on the floor and I walked out the house. In that moment, I did not care what was going to happen next. Two days later, Queens, I kid you not, I was so confused and my head was spinning because I was mad at God. Remember when I told you I was on a high and I was so full of joy and that had nothing to do with God? But now in this moment, I was mad at God. I was mad that he kept telling me to let him lead, that he led me right down into a rabbit hole. And how am I to get out of this one? So now it's Monday. Y'all, I'm telling y'all, I remember this. This was a traumatic event for me. I remember it like yesterday. Roll into Monday. Myself and my youngest children are laying on the couch. They were sleeping and I was just looking out the window because around that time I was getting no sleep. I kept hearing in my spirit, get up, take your oldest daughter to school. But I was so mentally drained, I couldn't move. I just laid there. The time was ticking and I was just motionless. He was gone from the house and I don't feel like taking her to school so she can miss today, right? I just don't feel like it. Well, that same voice shouted this time and said, get up and take her to school. Well, annoyed, I get up. I don't take her, but I call my best friend. I ask her if she can swing by the house and grab my daughter on her way to drop her kids off so that my daughter can ride with them. Listen closely to me, Queens. No less than 10 minutes after my friend and my daughter pulls off from the house, I see state police pulling up on my block and surrounded my house completely. I was so devastated and defeated. My spirit was all over the place. As they pulled back with that giant black pole to bust the door down, I just opened the door to let them in. I grabbed my two children, walked out the house barefooted, hopped in my car and drove off. But before I left the house, as we were walking out the house, my son tried to grab his fire truck and the police officer said that we couldn't take anything, that everything in the house belonged to them. When I tell you, my world came crashing down on the top of my head and the only person I wanted smoke with was God. I said, Lord, you got me messed up. Why, why, why? Why in the world will you let this happen to me? I pay my tithes at church. I try to be a good port person. I even supported this person that you sent in my life and you let this happen to me? Like, why was I the person who was here when this happened? Why wasn't the person who caused all this drama to my life here? Why didn't you make sure that he experienced this embarrassment and humiliation that was meant for him? Why is all that I have for God? I was so furious with him. I was so mad that I stopped talking to him. I stopped communicating with him. This was all his fault. So much that I started to seek the lesson in the situation that God was trying to tell me. And one morning, he spoke with me. <laughs> God and I talked like we was homies for real, for real. He told me that he was always with me, but I didn't listen to him. I had always had the potential to be happy, but I kept thinking that my help came from a man, a human being. I told you to release control and let me lead. And you assumed I was telling you to be a supportive wife to a person who was walking over you like a doormat. I told you to take your daughter to school, but you called your friend to take her. 
I saw the train wreck coming and I tried my best to shield you and you didn't listen to me, Martha. Whew. Talk about a slap in the face. You ever had such a revelation that you couldn't help but just drop to your knees and worship the Lord? God was always there with me, speaking to me and guiding me, but I lost trust in the Lord. And I was looking for my help on this earth from my ex-husband who has proven to me that he was not there with me. He wasn't there fighting with me. He didn't have my back over and over and over again. The moments that I got weak, I blocked God out instead of calling upon his name and declaring that I needed him more than ever. I let my fear cause me to give up. I panicked and I thought that it was all over for me. Isaiah 41 10, Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says, <laughs> fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. God was waiting for me to turn to him and trust in him. I was so busy focusing on my current circumstances that I not once consulted with God. I never once called upon him for his guidance. But when things went bad, queen, hear me good. You bet your bottom dollar. I blamed him and I got mad with him. Ain't it funny how we want to control our outcomes and we want to control the narrative, but when it doesn't go in our favor, we curse the Lord. And now everything becomes his problem because we didn't let him control. We wanted to control it, but it didn't work out. So now I'm mad at God. Isaiah chapter 48 says, it speaks about us trusting in God and not the unreliability of mankind. It states, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. I don't know exactly what would have happened if I would have got on my knees and rebuked that evil spirit of gambling out of my house by the power of the blood. God said that he will fight all my battles, not just some of them, but all. Isaiah 41, 11 through 13 states, Behold, all those who were incest against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you shall be as nothing as non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Queens, I do not know exactly what would have happened if I would have put that bat down, not called my mom to vent, not sit and soak and feel sorry for myself and fight that demon with the word of God. Baby, let me tell you, we can't beat the devil. We can't defeat the devil. And if you think you can, be ready for the worst beating of your life. You see, I was not fighting against my ex-husband. I was fighting against the spirit of gambling, an evil spirit, a spirit that wants to steal, kill, and destroy those who are of the kingdom. And he almost won. He almost had me. I was mad, baby. I was furious. And God got all the smoke from me, smoke that was never attended to brew. God was there willing and ready to fight my battles, but I gave up. I threw in the towel and I walked away. I waited for the meteor to hit the earth and got mad at God for the consequences that followed. Girl, get up and swing back at that spirit of defeating your life. 
Sis, pick up that word of God. And if you're looking for a book to start in, go to Isaiah chapter 40. God says in verse 32, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, you telling me that if I wait on the Lord, I will fly on an eagle's wing in the sky? I will run in the midst of my pain and not get tired. Yes, sis, I am. But most importantly, I am telling you that if you trust in the Lord and wait for him to act, you will walk away with your chin up in the middle of the fire. Girl, can you imagine being evicted from your house, going through a nasty divorce, being attacked by every person in your life, getting stoned by the holy people in your circle, and walking away with your chin up into the sunny state of Arizona in a praise in your mouth? Praise be to God for keeping you. Praise be to God for fighting all of your battles. Praise be to God for checking those people who raise war against you. Oh yes, baby, he is that bad. And yes, baby, he will do that for you. God chose you. God called you out of that messy situation and told you that you are still his child. Chin up, baby girl. My favorite gospel minister is Tasha Cobbs, y'all. I do not call her an entertainer. I do not call her a singer. She is a minister. And she has a song called Gracefully Broken. And she started the song off by saying, sometimes God will break you to position you. But when he does it, he does it with grace. I felt that in my spirit, y'all. Sometimes God will break you only to position you. And when he does it, he does it with grace. Because being gracefully broken doesn't mean the world is over. It means I need to position you, baby. I need you to get a line for this blessing that I'm sending your way. Yes, sis, he broke up with you because the many times he let you down, you wouldn't walk away. So God said this time he's going to leave you. That heartbreak that you feel is not the end, sis. Chin up and walk into your blessing. Yes, that job did fire you because the many times God had opened the door for you, you wouldn't walk into it because you got so comfortable in the last season blessing. Chin up, sis. There is something greater for you in this season. Queens, we have to start calling an ace an ace and a spade a spade. The word is there for us when we get weak. It is there for us when we are happy. It is there for us when we are stable or unstable. I challenge you to read the book of Isaiah and get blessed today. I don't care where you are while you are listening to this message. Open up that book and get fed, sis. It blessed me. I know it's going to bless you. Social media ain't doing it. Your friends ain't doing it. Your God not doing it. You need the word of the Lord. He will never leave you. He will fight all of your battles. Chin up, sis, and walk away with the praise in your mouth. That is all I have for you on today's episode of Royal Conversation. Um, I love you forever, queen, and there's nothing you can do about it. Bye.